welcome to First Church. We are so glad that you are with us today and worshiping with us. My name is Matt, and uh, I am just honored to be able to open up God's Word with, with you today. And, uh, and, and with you, we uh, also celebrate Memorial Day, this Memorial Day weekend, and we do want to honor those who uh, both serve and uh, those who have served, and especially those who have paid the ultimate price uh, serving this great nation for our freedom so that we can worship as we do. And so uh, we hope that you take time this weekend to, to honor them, all right? Hey, uh, today we're going to continue our Curveball series. We're going to be over in uh, the book of Exodus for part of that. If you want to get in that part of the Bible, that's where we're going to be spending most of our time. But in this series, we've been looking at different biblical characters and different curveball moments in their lives where uh, they something happened that they didn't see coming, and we get to watch and see how God continues to use those circumstances to advance His kingdom and shine His light into their life and through their life and in the world around them. And uh, so we hope you've been here and been a part of every one of those, uh, those messages and heard those. If you've missed any of them, we encourage you to go online and check those out over the, over the past several weeks, all right? But of course, that word curveball is an analogy that we take from baseball. And I've got to be honest with you. I don't like baseball. <laughs> Just that's how I am. All right. Let me tell you why. Uh, it goes all the way back to the second grade. Okay. Uh, it was in the second grade that uh, I got to go out on the playground and play with the big kids and they were playing baseball and they stuck me out in the outfield because they figured he won't hurt anything out there. And, uh, and so I remember being out there, big second grader, and I had my glove and I was ready to go. And the batter comes up to, uh, to the plate and, you know, he does his practice swings. He's getting ready. And, and I'm nervous. I mean, I'm out there with all the big boys, you know. And uh, the batter, he, he takes some practice swings. And then here comes the pitch. Pop! You know, and he hits it. And it's a, it's a grounder. I mean, worm burner. It's coming across. And it's coming right at me. All right, and, you know, and so here I am, I'm going to show these boys how it's done, and I go down with my glove, and that ball's coming in fast, and it's coming in really fast, and it hit my glove so fast that I couldn't get my glove closed, and that ball came right up my glove and right into my right eyeball. <laughs> Wham! You know, and my first shiner happened that day. I can't tell you really what happened after that. <laughs> Other than my dad picked me up from school that day, took me to the doctor and had it checked out, and uh, I have hated baseball ever since. Sorry, that's where I'm at. But uh, maybe you've had one of those moments. Uh, I would have called that a, a I did not see that coming moment, right? You know, I had no idea that that ball was going to come flying up the glove that fast and hit me that hard. But maybe you've had a moment like that. Maybe it wasn't a baseball to the eyeball, but a circumstance where at the end you would simply say, I did not see that coming. Well, we're going to look at uh, our man Moses today, who had a number of moments like that, that would leave him saying, Man, I did not see that coming. And when we go through those moments, we go through different uh, emotions, we can go through despair, we can go through pain. And as we're going to be talking about today, specifically, we're going to talk about disappointment. Because I believe we see Moses go through some times of, of disappointment in those I did not see that coming moments. And I think every one of us can probably remember times, maybe you're in a time right now of, of disappointment. And maybe you can remember the hurt. Maybe you can remember the emotion that is in that, that time. I remember going back to the eighth grade, okay, a few years later. And in the eighth grade, uh, that particular year, a new girl moved into town. And in my eighth grade self, I thought she was pretty good looking. <laughs> and then the glory of God shined upon me when one of my friends said, hey, she likes you. <laughs> and so I'm like, yes. 
But in my introverted self, I couldn't get the nerve up to go talk to her. And then in my Enneagram 5 self, and if you don't know what that means, go check that out. Go look it up, Google it. Enneagram 5, uh, I overthought the entire situation. I mean, I just thought through every possible scenario. How could this go good, bad, you know, and I overthought. But then the day finally came. When I pushed aside my introvertedness, my shyness, and I pushed aside all the overthinking and negative thoughts, and I walked up to her in her bus line, and I asked her that question, yeah, you know, eighth grade, will you be my girlfriend, right? And what she said next reverberated in my mind and hurt my heart when she said, I've already got a boyfriend. I had gotten bad intel, <laughs> or, or the more reality, probably more, more real, more true was I had waited way too long to go and talk to her, but I can remember the disappointment. Now, thankfully, I know now God had a plan, and seven or eight years later, I got to marry my awesome wife, and uh, God took care of me in that. But in that moment, I can still remember the disappointment. Maybe that's why there's still a tinge of hurt in me even today. And maybe you have those moments in your life you can remember when you went through that disappointment. Fact is, our life is, I think, riddled with times and moments of disappointment, times uh, when, when we had high expectations of, of things and, and things to come, but the reality of the moment, the excitement, the, the fulfillment, the fun never happened and never came through. Maybe it was that vacation that was supposed to bring the family together, but all it did was highlight what was pushing the family apart. Maybe it was that job that was not just to provide an income, but it was supposed to, to provide purpose and meaning in life, but now you find yourself wanting more and wondering what else is, is out there. Maybe you're a high school graduate right now, and just here recently, you've been disappointed in that the end of your high school career and your senior year was just wiped away. Maybe you're a college graduate. I, I, I know we've heard several who, who had jobs lined up or internships lined up, and, and those vanished in the midst of all of, of this COVID, and you've been faced with disappointment and hurt. And maybe every one of us, I know every one of us have faced those times. Definition, dis, di, disappointment occurs when the actual experience of something falls far short of what we anticipate. And I would add on there, or it doesn't even happen at all. That leads to disappointment. So how do we deal with our disappointment? How do we, lead, how do we deal with those I did not see that coming moments of disappointment in our life? Again, I, I think we can look at Moses because he had several of these moments, and I think we can look at how he dealt with those things. And the first moment I want to look in Moses' life is the time when he faced the rejection of Pharaoh. Now let me give you a little context in case you don't know a whole lot about Moses. Maybe you will remember that Moses was a, 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 an Israelite. He was one of the Hebrews, a Jew, and he was was uh, in Egypt at the time of the slavery of the Jews in the, in the nation of, uh, of e within Egypt. And, and quite miraculously, he went from being a, a baby who was supposed to be killed to being a baby in the, in the throne, the palace of Pharaoh. Quite miraculous. 
But as he grew up, he would begin to understand the plight of his people. And at the age of 40 years old, he, he believed that he would be the deliverer. And at one point when he walked out and went out among his people, he saw one of his fellow Israelites being mistreated, and he ended up killing the Egyptian slave driver, thinking maybe this will cause the revolt and this will be the step that takes us to freedom. But instead, even his own people turned on him. And so it was in that time at 40 years old that, that Moses panicked and he ran away. He would spend 40 years, and there's all kinds of stories about things that may have happened to Moses during this time, but he spent 40 years out in the desert being a shepherd until one day God came to him in a burning bush. God came and spoke to him, and God laid out a plan for him that he would be the one that would, would lead God's people out of slavery after, after 430 years, that, that he would be the one, the mouthpiece of God before Pharaoh. And after some convincing from God to, to that, that Moses could be the guy, you're the one, you can do this, Moses, along with his brother Aaron, would go before Pharaoh, commanding that God's people be let go. This would be the point that you would cue the rocky music, all right? Because Aaron and Moses, they're walking into the throne room of Pharaoh, and they are, they are confident God is with them. And here they go. They're about to speak to Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, we have this interchange between them and Pharaoh. And it says this, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I love this. Let my people go. Oh, yeah. When you say that, you just have to say that with a little gravel in your voice. Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. There's boldness and there's confidence in that as they tell Pharaoh that God has led them to this place. Pharaoh had to be trembling at this moment. But listen to Pharaoh's response in the next verse. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Doesn't sound like Pharaoh's shaking at all, does it? He says no. Not only does he say no, he questions the very existence of God. Says, Who's, who is God? One thing to know about Pharaoh is he was known as a God. Matter of fact, he was known as the perfect God. And so you can maybe understand a little bit of his arrogance in this and how he would respond in this way. So Moses in this moment changes his tactic a little bit. Go to, go to the next verse and look at this. Then they said, well, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. A little different tactic, not quite so much boldness and confidence now. Pharaoh, please, <laughs> please will you let us go? And Pharaoh's answer continued to be no. Matter of fact, Pharaoh's answer was not just a no. It was, I'm angry, and now the slaves... Your Israelite people, they're going to work harder. The bricks that they're making that take straw to make, that we provide for them, now we're not going to provide the straw anymore. They've got to make bricks on their own with their own straw. And we want the same quota every day. And so now, not only is Pharaoh mad at, mad at Moses, but now even the whole nation of Israel is mad at Moses. And so you can imagine the despair and the disappointment that Moses is facing in this moment. So what does Moses do? 
in his moment of disappointment. We'll skip on down to verse 22 and 23 there in Exodus 5, and here's what it says. Then Moses turned to the Lord. It's a good place to go. He turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? He gets the first part right. Hey, he turned to the Lord. But then he goes on. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. God, where are you at? God, you, you, you haven't come through. You ever had a prayer like that? What does Moses do in this moment? Moses goes to God. Moses turns and he goes to God and he seeks God and he gets very real with God and he asks the why questions. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked the why questions? Why me, God? Why my kid? Why my family? Why my job? And we go down the list of whys. I think we can take some encouragement from Moses here in that God's reaction was not that he zapped him. (laughs) Didn't he get angry with him? Doesn't say, how dare you question me. Doesn't slap him around or shame him. He allows him to come to him him with honesty. But then we find God's response over in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. And it's there that he says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. (laughs) Oh, get ready, Moses. I I know it looks pretty bleak right now, but get ready. Because you're about to have a front row seat in what I'm going to do Pharaoh. Pharaoh thinks he's all that. He thinks that he's a God. You just watch, Moses. And in chapter 6, God begins to restore the faith and the hope of Moses as he changes his perspective. He says, Moses, you just need to step back and you need to watch. Even though Moses is 80 years old at this point in the story, he still had more to learn about God's faithfulness and that God would be there for him through it all. What do we do when we face disappointment? Well, like Moses, I think we ought to go to God. We ought to go go to Him. We take our disappointments, our hurts, our confusion to God. God wants us to, to run to Him. But that's not always what we do, is it? We've probably all heard stories, or maybe your life has been the story of someone who is running from God. Someone who doesn't want to believe that, that doesn't want to believe in a God who would allow the tragedy to happen in your life or the, the hurt to happen in your life like it did. So instead, they run to, to science or philosophy to try to explain the, uh, the reality that we're living in right now or the morality that we're experiencing right now. Maybe they run to a bottle or to a pill to, to numb the hurt, but they'll run to anything or anyone else to fulfill the void to ease the pain. They don't want to run to God. Maybe that's been you. Ravi Zacharias, a great apologist of of, uh, Christianity, who actually just passed away this past week, he said this at one point, a man rejects God neither because of intellectual demands nor because of scarcity of evidence. A man rejects God because of a moral resistance that refuses to admit his need for God. 
says the evidence is there, and it's not normally an evidence thing that causes somebody to be an atheist, somebody to run from God. Typically, it's something that's happened in their life that has caused them to want to run from Him and reject Him and not want to need Him in their life. I mean, if you've been a believer for very long, you've probably heard preachers stand up and preach sermons just like this and say, hey, just go to God. Just run to God because He cares for you. And there's truth in that. But it's also very true that we come upon times when we wonder, don't we? We wonder if God cares. Maybe even we wonder if God exists sometimes with some of the things that we face in this life. We find ourselves in, in anguish and turmoil. I think that's where the psalmist over in Psalm 44, maybe that's where his heart was when, in verse 23 and 24 when he says, Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Do you hear the anguish there in the psalmist? God, where are you at? Are you sleeping? Don't you see what I'm going through right now? Yet in Moses' life and in his circumstance, it worked. He turned to God and, and God spoke to him and, and, and responded to him. And, and Moses got to watch God hammer down on Pharaoh with the, the ten plagues that then would come after that. But it doesn't always work out that way, does it? When it doesn't, we find ourselves even more disappointed in our circumstances. And maybe now even disappointed in our own disappointment because now we've got a faith issue. My faith isn't strong enough in, in the midst of these trials that I'm going through right now. Or maybe we even find ourselves disappointed with God. You know, in our time today, I, I, I can't explain why it seems that sometimes, sometimes God works and moves in miraculous and dynamic ways and other times we... We wonder, does he not care? And I guess that's where faith comes, comes in. Or we just trust and we just hold on. And because maybe God knows that even if we had the answer in the midst of the turmoil, it really wouldn't help. Maybe you remember the story of Job. Job had lost everything, and you know he was in a moment of disappointment and despair, and he's crying out to God at the end, and God comes to him and says, Job, look at my universe, how I hold all things together. Can you do that? And God takes Job and totally changes his perspective of, of creation and the universe and time itself, the eternity. I think that's where Paul was getting at over in Romans 8, verse 18, whenever he says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Sometimes we need a perspective change. We just need to step back and remember really who God is and really recognize the miracles that God's doing around us every single day. And just be reminded, God's got this. I think that's where Moses found himself, turning back to God, running back to God. And God said, let me change your perspective. 
you're about to see some great things happen. We need to go to God. I believe if we run anywhere else or to anyone else, all we do is we find ourselves in a cycle of hurt and a cycle of disappointment in our life. We just need to go back to God. Moses faced another time of disappointment that I want to hit on, and that was whenever he was restricted from entering into the promised land due to his own not trusting God. And maybe you remember that story uh, when uh, this was, this was uh, almost at the end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, all right? He had been leading God's people through all of that time, and he's close to 120 years old at this time, almost ready to enter into the promised land. And they come to a place where, where the people of God are, are crying out. They're angry because they don't have enough food. And most importantly, they don't have water. And so Moses and Aaron goes and go to, go to God and they cry out to God and God tells them, hey, go to the rock. And there in front of all the people, speak to the rock and water will come out. This happened before. This happened at the beginning of the journey. And that time, the, the instructions was to strike the rock. This time, God says, just speak to the rock. But when Moses goes and he's up on the rock, in his anger towards the people, he exhibits himself in a way that God did not desire. Like he was the one with the power, and he strikes the rock, and the water flows. But because of that moment, God told Moses, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land because you did not honor me in front of my people. Can you imagine can you imagine how Moses would feel at this point? He's 120 years old. He's heard about the promised land, the promise that was given to his ancestor Abraham years and years and years before. And now he's, he's heard all about it, and now he's been leading God's people for 40 years to it. And now God says, oh, you're not going to be able to go. What? Are you kidding? On a technicality? I mean, come on, really? Listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. He records this, this part of his life when he says, And I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O oh Lord God, you have only begun to show your servants your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan that good hill country in Lebanon. Do you hear him pleading? God, please let me go. Please let me enter into that promised land. Moses would go on to explain to his people as he records this story. Verse 26, he goes on and says, but the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. Moses speaking to God's people says, hey, because of you, God spoke to me this way and didn't allow me to do this. Now, literally, it says, for your sake. Some people will say that it's because of their sin that ultimately made him angry and then therefore he did what he did. But I, I think more in context, what he's saying is, God is punishing me so that you, for your sake, you can see the punishment that I'm receiving your leader because of my disobedience. And as you step into the promised land, do not forget God's judgment 
and continue to walk in obedience to Him. But what what does Moses do next? I mean, you can just imagine the disappointment that he's dealing with in this this moment. But if you go to the very next chapter, Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, first, first verse, here's how Moses keeps going. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live and go go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. He knows that he's not getting it, but he doesn't quit. He keeps leading, and he keeps making sure that nothing keeps God's people from getting to enter into the promised land. I mean, he could have in his disappointment said, I'm done, I'm out. You lead your people, God. But instead, he steps in and says, I'll continue to lead, and I will continue in obedience. That's all we see him do. He continues in his obedience. He doesn't quit. He continues to lead. That, to me, is the definition of a humble leader. In his humility, he takes God's judgment and instruction and keeps on serving. It goes just right along with what we learn about Moses over in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, where it says this, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. He was a man of humility. And we see that play out in this, in this circumstance, this I-didn't-see-that-coming circumstance of disappointment that Moses is dealing with. We see the real Moses come out as we see this humble leader emerge. Listen, our response to disappointment reveals who we really are. What comes out of us in those moments of despair and disappointment reveals who we really are. And what we see in Moses is a humble leader. What do people see in you in your times of disappointment or despair? Well, that's not fair. I can't believe that would happen to me. I didn't deserve that. Or like Moses, just go to God, trust in Him, and continue in obedience. We all face disappointment. And we'll face more disappointment as life goes on. The question is, how are we going to deal with it? This past week, uh, I saw an advertisement for a, uh, a travel trailer. Yes, Steph and I are at that stage of life that we're considering it. <laughs> but uh, as I was reading through the ads, I came across one, and it simply said this in the middle of the ad, a statement by a spouse, no doubt said this, this was originally bought to help save a marriage. Didn't work. You hear the disappointment? They were hoping, they had expectations if they would invest in this and go on trips with their, their spouse, their family, that maybe it would bring their marriage back together, but, but it didn't work. How would your advertisement read? BFF bracelet not needed anymore. (laughs) You ever had a best friend reject you, turn their back on you? For sale, wheelchair, 
disease one. Never lost a loved one to an illness, to a disease. For sale. Baby crib. Never used. How would your ad read? What disappointment have you faced or are you facing right now? I'm sure it's more than an eighth grade girl that broke your heart. Probably much deeper than that. Disappointment with others. Disappointment with circumstances. Disappointment in yourself. Maybe even disappointment with God. Whatever your disappointment, just remember. Our response to disappointment reveals who we really are. So I encourage you to be like the humble leader, Moses. Go to God. Don't run to anything else or anyone else because anywhere else you run is only going to send you into a cycle of more disappointment and hurt and discouragement. Go to God and continue in obedience because God has called us to a humble life of obedience to Him following Him wherever He leads. And I believe that if you will allow Him, just like Moses did, God can take your disappointment and use it in an incredible way to advance His kingdom, to shine His light into your life and through your life and the world around you to such a point that maybe, maybe, maybe there will be a moment where you'll look up at God in joy and excitement and say, God, I did not see that coming. Thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, help us to be a people that run to you in our times of distress, in our times of disappointment. God, help us to be a people that trust in you and God, help us to be a people that when others see us in the, in the midst of despair, in the midst of, of disappointment, that God, people will see you in us. They'll see a people that trust in you, a people that are, are leaning into you, people who are expecting you to do great things. So God, we pray that you would continue to lead us through our times of disappointment and despair. And God, we look forward to the great things you're going to continue to do in us. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.